welcome to this podcast for St. Peter's Church Greenhill, as we seek to become loving, witnessing and growing people. To test Jesus, teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, the priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while travelling, came near him and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. It's not gin, it's just water. Um, Right, good morning, everyone. Ah. So, um, may I speak in the name of the living Christ? Amen. So everybody knows um, the story of the Good Samaritan. I mean, even non-Christians talk about the Good Samaritan, don't they? We hear news stories and see things on social media all the time about good Samaritans, you know, random strangers helping other random strangers and, you know, being good Samaritans. Like, we all love a good Samaritan, don't we? Um, Does anyone not know about the good Samaritan? Shall I just go home then? (laughs) Um, I'll just recap it really, really quickly, but, um, you know, pick me up if I'm wrong. So there's this Jewish guy on the road, and it doesn't actually say that he's a Jewish guy, but it does imply it in the, in the reading. And he's travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which is a pretty dangerous road to be on, and um, he gets uh, beaten up. He gets um, mugged. He gets robbed of all he's got, and he gets left for dead. And um, a priest walks by, and a Levite walks by, not together, separately, And um, they kind of see him from a distance, but they just cross the road and walk right past. And maybe they justify their actions a little bit, you know, maybe they could be in a hurry, maybe they don't want to stop because they're already ritually pure on their way to the synagogue, and, you know, um, this man might, I don't know, it's, it's just all too much. So, you know, might ruin their laws about what they can and can't do. We don't know, we're not really told, but yeah. They take the decision to, let's just move on quickly. That kind of made me wonder if, um, you know, I wonder if how many of us have, have passed by someone in need in a hurry, just because we're in a hurry. 
you know, happens. Anyway, next up, there's this Samaritan guy. Um, now, he's the most unlikely to stop and help a Jewish guy because there's pretty bad history between Jews and Samaritans, and you can read about it in the Book of Kings. Um, there's bad history between the Jews and Samaritans. They don't mix, they don't talk to each other, they actually despise each other. Samaritans aren't thought or weren't thought of as good. But this Samaritan, he was moved with compassion and without questioning who the beaten man was or whether he deserved help, he stooped down and he cared for him and he didn't consider the worth of the one in need. He simply responded and did all that he could to make sure that this beaten, broken man would be healed and restored back to health. So, yeah, it's kind of it really, isn't it? You know, random acts of kindness. Ah, so maybe we should take a, a deeper look at this. You're right, Sean, and the reading starts with a question. What must I do to gain eternal life? And there's some big questions here in this reading. And Jesus teaches us a lot more than um, just going out and doing some random acts of kindness. So yeah, this, this is big question number one. What must I do to gain eternal life? Asks the lawyer. And by a lawyer, it means a man who's knowledgeable in the laws of Moses. Um, so Jesus is there with his disciples and probably a crowd, well, it would have been a crowd of people and he's teaching them. And this man that's learned in Jewish law stands up and asks this question. What must I do to gain eternal life? Now, Jesus comes across lawyers and scribes and Pharisees all the time and they just want to test him, catch him out. The lawyer's not really looking for answers. He's just testing Jesus. You know, have you ever met, you know when people know that you're a Christian and you get someone that just keeps asking you really, really awkward questions and they're not trying to learn anything from you. They're not trying to learn about Jesus. They're just trying to diss your belief a little bit or catch you out or show you how stupid you are for believing in God. You know the kind of thing. So yeah, the lawyer asks this question, what must I do to gain eternal life? Now, that in itself is a little bit of a dodgy question, not really that well thought out, because we don't do anything to earn eternal life. We don't earn it by doing stuff. Like eternal life is a gift given by God. So I suppose... The thing that you must do is to believe in God to receive the gift. So what is eternal life? Another big question, Shona. What is eternal life? Well, you're alive, aren't you? Yeah. Thank goodness for that. You sure you're all alive? Yeah. yeah, okay, well, eternal life must start here then. It must start here and now. It's not just about going to heaven when you die it's not this never-ending state of consciousness but it is life in relationship with God living in Christ loving God here and now we're living now this side of eternity and Jesus promises us that there's life after death 
on the other side of eternity. So living life knowing and worshipping and trusting and breathing in Jesus, that's where our eternity is. It starts. That's eternal life. And it's a gift and it's freely given. Now Jesus knows that the, the lawyer's trying to be clever. So he answers back with a question. And Jesus says, well, what do you think? What do you read in the law of Moses? And the lawyer quite rightly quotes from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yep, right answer. Do this and you shall live. And you know, Luke, Mark and Matthew all report Jesus saying this. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law hangs on these two commands. another really big question what does it mean to love God like that I mean do any of us do that maybe some of the time but do any of us do that all the time do any of us perfectly fulfill the law uh, no because we're all flawed we're all works in progress but you know Jesus has got us is encouraging us and renewing us and shaping us. And through his love, he shows us how loving him is transformative and beautiful and it changes the way we see ourselves and it changes the way we see others. And for this to happen, it starts with receiving and accepting his love. So let's just break that down a little bit, that heart, soul, strength. How can we love like that? I love the way it says the things in different, in different Bibles. Shauna, have you got a Passion Bible there? Can you tell us what it says in, in the Passion Bible, please? Religious scholar answered, it states, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought and you must love your neighbour as you love yourself. Wow, I love it. See, it's like, it's, it's an all-consuming, taking over your life kind of love. We must love God. We are commanded to love God. So there's a directive there, a force, a strength. There's a strength of feeling in our hearts, passionate energetic, reckless, hearts on fire, burning kind of love that brings us joy, brings us gratitude even in hard times. And that inspires our souls, transforming and renewing our minds. And when we love God like this, he empowers us and instills us and grows in us and motivates every decision we make. And we can... Go on. He didn't, no. And you would think 
that he would be content. You would think that if he wanted to really learn something from Jesus, he, he could have gone off. And he could have had a real think about how he loves God and how he fulfills the law, being an expert in it and all that. But you know, he just wants to justify himself. So he doesn't go away. He stays because he wants to justify himself. Jesus has just said, yep, go and love God and go and love your neighbour and you will live. But the lawyer asks another question. Who is my neighbour? So it's another big question, but you know, actually, it's the wrong question. The lawyer wants to justify himself. He thinks that he's worthy of eternal life because of how he prays, who he speaks to, who he hangs out with. So when he asks the question, who is my neighbor? What he's really asking is, who can I be good to and who can I just ignore? question. Uh, actually, it reminds me of, um, of a story <laughs> that I'll just tell you, because it, it, it does illustrate that point, actually. Um, I once went on holiday to Wales, and there was this beautiful, ancient little church on the hillside next to the sea, and it's just amazing. I thought, I am going to go there and worship there, and yeah, it's just, I'm just going to really feel God's presence there. It just looks amazing. So um, off I go, and I drive up into the car park, and I get out, and the, the woman on the welcome team looks me up and down, and she says, co-ops across the road. It's <laughs> like, oh, okay, you know. So yeah, that kind of illustrates the point. She didn't see me as somebody that wanted to go in her church. She really thought that I was just using the church car park to go to the co-op. So yeah, anyway, we didn't go and buy bread and milk together afterwards. But... Um, but Jesus wants to rip up all of that kind of stuff, that I'm better than you kind of stuff. And in Luke's gospel, especially after he sets out for Jerusalem, it's all about highlighting Jesus' love to the outsiders, to the outcasts, to those on the margins of society. God's love isn't just for the religious, but it's for the broken, the lost, those that make bad decisions and mess up. It is, that's all of us, yeah. So Jesus answers the lawyer's question, who is my neighbour, with a parable. The story I told you at the beginning, the Good Samaritan. And the story helps us to answer this question, who is my neighbour? And today, that story could go something like this. There's this Sheffield United supporter. <laughs> he might be called Steve. Um, anyway, he's walking through town with his red and white shirt on and he gets mugged at knife point. And they take his shoes and they take his watch and they take his wallet and then stab him for good measure and kick him into the gutter. And it's late at night and there's not many people around. And then a priest walks by and he kind of half notices someone in the bushes and then he thinks to himself, ooh, he's probably drunk, one of them football types. I need to get on, I'm already late for nighttime prayers with church. And he walks on. 
And then a church member walks past and he kind of justifies his actions in the same way. You know, and also as well, it's a bit scary out here at night. I don't want to get mugged as well. So he does the same, hurries along, best for it. And then a Sheffield Wednesday fan comes along in his blue and white colours. And he's not too happy being on this side of town and he's looking for a bus back to Hillsborough. And he's already had a rubbish day. United beat Wednesday 5-0. And he doesn't really want to bump into a group of United fans on his own. But then he sees one. Sees one in the gutter, bleeding with no shoes on, bruised, battered. And you know what he does? He's filled with compassion and he stoops down and he gives him first aid. He picks him up and he carries him to the taxi rank and he goes with him to the hospital, disregarding all the looks he's getting from Wednesday fan helping a United fan. And he stays with him. And he goes back to the hospital the next day with some new shoes and a new phone and he makes sure that he gets back to his family safely. Jesus wants us to stop being too busy, to stop thinking, I'm not helping them. Exactly, exactly, love your enemies. And not to be selective in who you help. The Good Samaritan isn't just about a random act of kindness. Jesus told this parable to help the lawyer and to help us to see, to see that the question isn't, who is my neighbor? It's how can I be a good neighbor? How can I love my neighbor as myself? Jesus wants us to realize that a neighbor is someone in need. Someone, anyone, anywhere in need. John 3.16, another very well-known Bible verse. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. For God so loved the world. So we can build relationships with our neighbours, those in our locality, those who are in our communities. And we can learn their names and we can say hi and we can be kind but Jesus wants to instill more into us, to love like he loves, to extend his love, his mercy, his grace, and his compassion to anyone in need. And Jesus commands us to love, to love without borders, because Jesus loves us without condition. You don't earn his love. Jesus wants us to passionately follow him, to change our identities into I am loved, I am a child of God. He wants us to see others as he sees them. Because you know, the Good Samaritan and the Sheffield Wednesday fan, these aren't just strangers doing a random act of kindness. Who is the Good Samaritan? Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus who died for us even though we are sinners. Even though we are hurt, hateful and we look down on others. Jesus died for those that scorned him. He died for us even though we are broken and lost. He died for us. And through his sacrificial love, he sees us 
and he values us and he lifts us up and he heals us and he carries us and he's paid our debts and he's redeemed us. This is love. And we're no longer stuck in shame and sin, robbed and broken. Because at the cross of Jesus, there are no outsiders. At the cross of Jesus, there is no one who is not loved. And like I said, this command to love, it's in the other Gospels. And then in John's Gospel, it's like Jesus sums it up with a new command. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So back to the questions. What must I do to gain eternal life? How can I love God with all my heart and love my neighbour as well? Receive the gift of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. Receive the gift of grace forgiveness and love and receive it here and now this side of eternity and then share that gift to all who need it Amen let's just pray generous gracious loving God Thank you that there is nowhere we can go that is beyond your presence. Help us to receive your blessings which are beyond measure. We thank you for your presence in our lives. May we live a life of thanksgiving and joy. And may your love be the passion of our hearts. May your joy be strength when times are hard. And may your presence be our peace that overflows and outpours to all who we meet so that we may love others as you love us. Amen.